0: Good morning everybody. Good to see you and, uh, glad to be with you. Good to be a part of, uh, worship today. A little bit different, but we had fun. It was good to have Perry here. Our choir he did a great job as always. Uh, we, we are blessed here. Um, I'm glad to see our students here. And I know if you guys go to sleep, it's okay. I'm good. I understand. Now I don't, wouldn't normally say that, but they got back at what time, Nick? Three o'clock. Three o'clock, Three o'clock this morning. From a great trip. So, guys, listen. You got a little break for me. It's okay. We're we're concluding today, and uh, I want to jump right into it. Perry, Philip, Brent, thank you all. Appreciate you guys. Great work. I, we're concluding in a kind of a series inside of a series on the Good Shepherd, the third message, John chapter ten, verse twenty-two through thirty. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. We're going to make a diversion today. Uh, I, I know i got to get going, but I just want to tell you what I'm doing. We're going to have a long introduction followed by two points. And so I don't know what that means for you, but I'm, that's kind of what we are. We're talking about the good shepherd. It's very important you and I understand. If, if you want to say what, what's the purpose for today, I hope that when you leave you understand that we're sheep and our Lord is a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. I hope you know that. I want you to know that. It's vital, not only to your relationship with him, but to your life, that you understand where you live and how you how you stand out. And uh, I might step on your toe a little bit because you might think of yourself a little bit better, but God thinks of us as sheep. We're very valuable to him, very precious. He's a shepherd. We have to have a shepherd. Listen to these words from our Lord. John 10. 22 through 30 then the fifth festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter jesus was walking in the temple in solomon's colonnade the jews surrounded him and asked how long are you going to be are you going to keep us in suspense if you're the messiah tell us plainly i did tell you and you don't believe jesus answered them the works that i do in my father's name testify about me but you don't believe because you're not of my sheep my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one, listen church, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Father, thank you for your word. I pray you'll speak clearly today. Through this humble servant in Jesus name. Amen. A brief look at the Bible talking about a shepherd and a sheep. I asked our Sunday school class today, what are the verses that you think of when you think of a shepherd? And of course, everybody said Psalm 23. That's exactly right. You can turn to Psalm 23 or David's going to put it up on there, but I want to look briefly at it. I'm going to look at it from not the King James version that you're familiar with, but The Holman Christian Standard, which I preach from, it has a different language, but I think it's very powerful nonetheless. I want to tell you, I've been teaching you a little bit every week about sheep, and we learned how helpless sheep are, how they'll get lost, how they wander naturally, how left to themselves they'll probably die. There are some more things about sheep that I didn't tell you about that you need to understand here for this passage. A sheep can be cast down. Past. I'm not a sheep farmer. If you have raised sheep, you could correct me easily. But uh, on taking on good authority, a sheep who becomes a little bit overweight, maybe is pregnant. Somebody doesn't cut their uh, wool very well. They get overfed. They can fall down and end up on their back. And when they do that, they cannot get up. They are stuck. They can't correct themselves. Their fellow sheep don't know how to fix it. They will look at them and eventually wander away because they don't want to see anything bad, <laughs> and they know something bad's about to happen. <laughs> on a hot day, a cast sheep will die in about two hours. On a on a, a cool day, they might live a day or two. Uh, I read a book where a, a pastor and his friends were driving through an English countryside in 1975, and they saw a cast sheep. They thought at first it was dead. All the other sheep were way over here. This one sheep was lying four feet up in the air. It was bleeding a little bit. That is, you know, making the sound that sheep make. They walked over to it and it was alive. And they struggled and struggled. And after some time, two of them were able to get this sheep turned over and on its feet. And then the one person, knowing about sheep, began to massage its legs enough that it could walk again and gave him a little nudge. And he bleated appreciation and scooted back to the flock. Without the shepherd, the sheep would have died. That's a good thing to know when we read the 23rd Psalm. And we read, first of all, that the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack from. So David understood that as a shepherd himself, he wasn't a good, sh- he wasn't always a perfect shepherd that sometimes he let sheep wander. Sometimes they starved, Sometimes they were killed by predators, but he said, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing at all that I lack from him. He's a perfect shepherd. The God of the universe who put 250 million times 250 million stars in the universe is your shepherd and my shepherd. Isn't that amazing? God is that powerful and that big. But you know, if you look at Psalm 23, you can see the intimacy in this. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have time to ask David to underline it to you, but, but I want you to look at all the my's. The Lord is my shepherd; I have what I need. He lets me lie down. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He renews my life. He renews. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare. You see those me's and eyes. Nineteen of them right there. This is very personal, and and then the relationship of the of the shepherd. He ten times. The Lord, personally involved in his life. He, I, and me, he. This is a very intimate gospel. He's right there. God is our shepherd. We lack for nothing we need. Sometimes we lack for things we want. Sometimes we don't have what we think we ought to have. But God will make sure. Our shepherd will provide and make sure we have everything that we need. He supplies our needs. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He, A sheep... Won't go to a green pasture unless they're led there. They'll go somewhere else. You lead them, you have them sit down there. When they find the grass, they say, hooray, here's the grass. But left to their own, they're going somewhere else. He leads me beside green pastures. He puts me beside quiet waters. Do you know um, I learned this about sheep? I didn't know this. That um, a sheep won't drink out of running rushing water. If you go to a waterfall, they won't drink the water. The shepherd. Has to go upstream and dam the creek to allow calm water for the sheep to drink from. So the shepherd has to provide that kind of care for his sheep. So, right here, the Lord, He not only gets you to green pastures, He leads you besides quiet waters where you can be nourished. That's what He does for you. He renews my life. He comes to us when we're cast down and we have no way of surviving. When we have no renewal of our own, when we're depressed and when we're dark, with all four of our feet up in the air, when we are helpless, and, and that's, that's what sheep farmers would tell you about sheep, is that they're, they're not theoretically helpless, they are absolutely helpless without their shepherd. And so God, as a shepherd, renews our life. And He sets us on our feet and gets us going again. He leads me along the right paths. The Bible teaches that we're prone to wonder. Psalm, uh, Isaiah 53 6 says we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. Isn't that our nature? We left our own. You, you don't follow God's word. I don't follow God's word. We go off on our own. It's not good, not a good result. We go somewhere where we don't need to be. We just naturally gravitate that way. It doesn't matter what kind of whether you're a smart person or a not so smart person, whether you're a really good moral person, eventually you're gonna stumble. You need a shepherd, you need somebody to guide you. This is active guidance and leadership. He he is involved with our life. He leads me, he directs me to the right path. Go this way, Jim. Don't go that way. It's a dangerous place. There are there's a ledge there. There's rocks there. You won't make it. And, and then he tells us that he does it for his own namesake. He, have you ever thought that God guides us because he wants others, he wants to be honored by your life and my life for his name? So he'll guide us, the good shepherd guides us along a good path so that we don't discredit. His name. Because if we get on the wrong path, we can discredit him. That's my prayer above all prayers that I have as a pastor. That I don't ever discredit the name of God in this work. That I don't ever do anything that dishonors his work. Because that's what people want to see in the world. They want to see a preacher dishonored. They want to see Christian dishonored too, by the way. If you think you can guide your own life, you're really mistaken. If you think that you can direct your own path and get on the right path without the shepherd, you're you're fodder for the wolves. That's what they're looking for. For my name's sake. Verse 4. We all love verse 4. Even when I go through the darkest valley, which is, according to King James Bible, the the shadow of death. I fear no danger because you're with me. How many times have we read that at the bedside of someone's dying? If I I had the, 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 the clearness of mind when I die, when the Lord takes me home, I hope I hear that passage of Scripture. It's a promise that God will not abandon us in the shadow of death, in the deepest, darkest valley, in a place where we have no control, that we cannot see the end of. It is a journey from one end to the other. It's very powerful. It was a place of danger and grave robbers and predators. David was writing here specifically about the fear and the pain of death. So when we read that passage and we see that, we see that our good shepherd will guide us all along the way, along the paths of righteousness. When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll be right there. You have nothing to fear. You have, you have no danger there. We all, we all wonder, did, did my loved one know this or know that? I assure you that this promise goes beyond your consciousness that God will accompany you through the shadow of death to the other side. That's what he says. That's a good shepherd. That's what he promises. So whether you're very young with your life ahead of you, Lord willing, or you're older and your years are not as many, but we all don't know when that time is. We know that God will accompany us. That's a promise of the good shepherd. That's what he says. I'll fear no danger. No, I won't fear evil. Because of the good shepherd, there's no reason to fear evil. We often worry. Do you ever worry about trouble? It doesn't come. Well, I think that's what most of us worry about. We worry about trouble. It doesn't come. Here's an old saying. We die a thousand deaths fearing one death. It's kind of the way it is. But if you have a good shepherd... You have no fear. There's no evil. There's no fear. Because you're with me. Your rod, which is a weapon against attackers, and your staff, which has a hook, which pulls me back when I'm going astray, your rod and your staff, they're with me. They comfort me. Have you ever thought of a staff as being a comforting tool? I, I mean I don't I don't know that. I I can't imagine what it'd be like to somebody grabbed my neck with a wooden crook. That doesn't seem comforting. But you know, if you're going down a wrong path, about to go over a cliff, that might be the best thing anybody ever did for you. Grab you and pull you back. And that's what your good shepherd does. Sometimes he grabs you and pulls you back. He he wakes you up at night and says, listen, what you're doing is wrong. Have you ever been woken up at night and God spoke to you? Or somebody spoke to you and said, you better quit this. You'll be found out. You're, you're going down to this. Your shepherd. That's what he does. Maybe, maybe you're involved in things you don't need to be involved in. Maybe you're thinking things you don't need to be thinking. Maybe, maybe you're going down a road you don't need to go down. A good shepherd will grab you by the neck and pull you back because he loves you. Because he's with you. His rod and his staff. And then, then listen in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. It sounds like David had been chased across the desert. And he had enemies all around him. And he showed up in a camp where he found friends. And there in contrast to all of his trouble. He founds a table that's bountifully set for him. His host poured oil over his head. I don't think that's particularly comforting. But in that day that was a great thing. It's, it's the imagery of refreshment that after all your trouble after all your difficulty god sits you at a table where you're the where you're the honored guest and he anoints your head with oil so then he finishes only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life i thought david was being pursued by his enemies now he's been being full, fulfilled being being pursued by love and goodness that's what your good shepherd does and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, see, this message takes you from cradle to grave. This good shepherd walks with you the whole time. That's the image you gotta have. So then, that's my introduction. <laughs> so back to John 10, but I wanted you to see that. I don't usually spend this long in my introduction, but it's really important. And Jesus, now he's at the, festival of dedication you understand a little bit more about a shepherd and a sheep you know you got to have one you know he is one and he's a good one if you want to see the contrast to this uh, go to Ezekiel 34 and see the contrast to what a good shepherd you see a bad shepherd there don't go today I'm not going there we won't get out (laughs) but Jesus in the festival of dedication the newest newest of the festivals in 175 BC a Greek man a madman named Antiochus Epiphanes decided he was going to merge Greek and Jewish culture and so he did all of that he poured he made the he made the priest in the temple eat pork he desecrated the temple he turned the temple into a brothel he converted the altar for burnt offerings into an altar for the God Zeus but the great Judas Maccabeus fought and defeated Antiochus and they established in their honor the festival of lights when they relit the temple again. On December the 25th, Hanukkah for the Jewish people, their newest celebration. Jesus was there, walking there amongst the temple in this beautiful temple of Herod, looking out over the Mount of Olives. The Jews following him and they said to him, hey... Listen, when are you going to tell us? How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus said, I didn't tell you and I did tell you and you don't believe. You see, there are some people that just don't get the message. They have heard it and seen it. It's been preached to them. They've had it explained to them. These Jews, these Pharisees have been following Jesus. They'd seen what he had done. They'd seen the power of his teaching. They'd seen the crowds. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen water turned to wine. They'd seen the blind man made to see. They would see Lazarus shortly raised from the dead. They still said, listen, show us something big if you're the real God." And Jesus said, I've showed you and you don't get it. There are people that have been shown time and time again and they do not get it. They do not get it. And Jesus gave the reason for it here. He said... The reason for it, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. You see, there is something about being a follower of Jesus. When you are his follower, he says that you hear his voice and you follow him. I think one of the problems in the church, not just our church, we have a good church. But I think one of the problems in the church is a lot of people in the church aren't followers of Jesus. They don't hear him. And so the churches are capable of doing a lot of bad things to people. I have not seen that here. I'm so thankful for it. But I will tell you, if you are in the church of God, you need to be a follower of Jesus. You need to follow the shepherd. I need to be a follower of the shepherd. You don't want a good preacher. You don't, you don't want somebody that knows the Bible. You don't want somebody who's got a lot of seminary degrees. You, you want somebody that follows the shepherd as your pastor. You don't want deacons who know a lot of things and are smart guys. You want deacons who are followers of Jesus. You don't want a church made up of people who just come together because they like each other. We need to be followers of Jesus who follow him as our shepherd. Do you agree with me, church? Are you good with that? But Jesus had all these people that knew better. They knew the scriptures. They knew what they sounded like. They knew the prophecies. They knew what the Messiah would look like. And they didn't see Jesus, and they were talking to him. He said, you don't know because you're not my sheep. But then we get to number three. This is the greatest This is the greatest passage in the New Testament. You don't read it very much. I don't read it very much, probably. He provides a powerful assurance for his sheep. I want you to leave out of here today assured. If you're a follower of Christ, I want you to be assured of what he promises you. I'm going to go through these things very carefully. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I'm going to go through them carefully. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I told you last week that it's very important for you as a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of his, to learn and discern his word. To begin to listen and follow him. It's very important. That's a vital, that's a vital essential skill for you. You do that through prayer and personal Bible study. That's the only way that I know to do it. I wish there were another way that didn't require a little discipline. But there is no way. You've got to stay up and pray a little bit. Or you've got to get up and pray. Or you've got to stop and intentionally pray. And you've got to spend time in his word. And that's how you learn for him to speak to you. You have the spirit of God as a believer implanted in your life. He lives there. you just got to listen to him. you got to start learning to pay attention to him. And I have to, that's, that's my goal. Of all the tasks that I have. And, and, and you have many tasks. You have many things that you have to do. The most important thing that you have to do, and I have to do, is to hear the voice of God speak to us. That's the most important thing we do. It'll change everything we do. Jesus said, my sheep know me. That That's a funny little thing. If you ever see, go on YouTube, you can see that. You can see the shepherd walking, all the little sheep just running right behind him. He speaks, they're all running out of the pen, They're right behind him. They don't get in front of him, they're just right behind him. He walks along with his staff. The sheep just walk right behind him. If he were to walk over a cliff, they would probably walk over the cliff with him. They follow him. And that's why we have missionaries today that are serving in countries and their lives and their families are in danger. Because they're following the shepherd. They will go wherever he goes. He has taken them to a place so that they can be killed for their faith. And they continue to follow him. Sure that he'll never lead them astray. That's what following the shepherd means. But listen to this, church. I want you to hear this. Because there's some of you. I I struggled with my faith for years. You know, I asked the question, am I really saved? Do I really know Jesus? You know, I I went and talked to my preacher when I was a teenager and when I was in high school. And then when I was in college. And I had reason in college to think that maybe I wasn't. And so then I went later. I struggled with whether I was a Christian. Listen to what Jesus says. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. That's what it says. I read that right out of the Bible. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. You don't earn eternal life. You don't achieve it. You don't get it on your own. He gives it to you as a gift. It is one of the benefits of being a believer in Christ. You are given. I give them eternal life. That's what you have. You, I don't know. I know we're not the stand on the pew and shout kind of people, but boy, that ought to do it. (laughs) I mean, really? Amen. Amen. (laughs) That is so important If you are a follower of Christ You have eternal life And Jesus on his word and authority Those people will never perish Never Under no circumstances They won't perish That sounds pretty good to me And then There are some slow people like me And he follows it up He says no one Will snatch them out of my hand because sometimes we think that we can be snatched out of his hand. Sometimes we think that we're not good enough. Sometimes we think that we have sinned and fallen back. And surely God has given it. Nobody will snatch him out of our hands. There won't be any kind of enemy. There won't be any, any kind of sin. There won't be any kind of, of problem. There won't be any predator. Nothing will snatch him out of our hands. They They lived in a world where the sheep could battle literally with a wolf over the life of a sheep human sheep i mean a human shepherds sometimes would lose a battle with a wolf so when you use a comparison of a sheep and a shepherd they could see how sheep could be lost to the wolf i'm going to tell you church there are wolves out there you may not know that you you may not believe that there is a word about them they are out there The wolves will devour you. They are drugs and alcohol and sexual immorality and pornography. They are the world's values and the world's culture. Wolves are all around us. Jesus said some wolves even look like wolves in sheep clothing. So sometimes a wolf is dressed up like a sheep. They're really dangerous because what happens? They get right into the fold. And they can do a lot of damage. That's why you have to hold everything I say to the word of God. That's why I don't have a lot of opinion in the pulpit. You don't hear what I think about this because it doesn't matter. I don't want to ever be called a wolf in a sheep's clothing. But there are preachers that stand in the pulpit that are telling their congregations things that are endangering their eternal life. If you tell, if a preacher stands here and says that men are basically good and that God likes us the way we are, they are ignoring everything the Bible says. If they tell you that every culture and every lifestyle and every way of life is equally acceptable to God. They are lying and deceiving you. Because God never changes in his standards. Understand, you guys, please know. There are wolves in sheep clothing. And they will devour you. But if you are with a master, they will not win. You will prevail. He? No, no, actually he prevails. Jesus says and in verse 29, My father who has given them to me is greater than all. So Jesus said, I hold the sheep in my hand. Nobody will get them out. And then he reinforces that. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So we're held firmly in the hand of Christ as a believer. That's where we are. That's our security. And if that's not enough... In verse 29, my father, who has given them to me, you were a gift by your father to Christ, by, by our heavenly father to Christ. And I was a gift. I'm not sure that he would always see me as a gift. But I'm glad that he recognized me as a gift. The way I was. He saw that. I was a gift given to the father, by the father, to the son. My father who, is great, who has given them to me is greater than all. You see, and I don't have time for a lesson about God's omnipotence and his power and his glory and his uh, a creative ability, but understand that the God of the universe holds you in his hand too. And then, then he says that no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So you are held in the hand of Jesus held by the hand of the father. That's eternal security. Don't ever doubt that church. Don't ever walk out of here and think you don't have that kind of security. That's what you have with a good shepherd. And then Jesus kind of wraps it all up and he says, I and the Father are one. In other words, they're not one person because they were two persons in the Trinity, but they are one person of will. In other words, what the Father wants, the Son wants. The security that the Son promises, the Father guarantees. That's what this means to you and me. I hope you're encouraged by that. I, I hope that if you've lost a loved one that you know that they rest in the eternal arms of Christ. I hope that if you're facing uncertainty, and oh, by the way, every one of us are facing uncertainty, that you are held in the eternal arms of Christ. That's eternal security. So let me wrap it up. Here's what I hope you have learned from three messages on the sheep. I hope that you know without any doubt that you are an utterly helpless sheep. I hope you know that. I'm not trying to offend you or hurt your feelings. But that's what the Bible says about you and about me. That we are utterly helpless. I hope you know. I hope that you seek after the good shepherd. That he guides your life. I hope that you don't think in yourself that you know enough. That you have enough. That you've been around long enough. That you don't need a shepherd. Because if you do, that flies in the face of everything the Bible says. You need a shepherd. He is your shepherd. If you believe that, you are a greatly deceived sheep. But you are still a sheep, regardless of what you think. If you think it, you have it all together, and life is just for you to live out your wishes and desires, you are also in deep trouble. Because you need to follow the good shepherd. You are where you need to be if you recognize the good shepherd in your life, and that we're his sheep. And that we're totally helpless and dependent on Him. In fact, Jesus said, I do nothing without the Father. That needs to be the way we live. I do nothing without Him. I don't preach a sermon. I don't get up. I don't choose my calendar of the week. I don't, I don't do anything. That's, that's my goal. I'm not telling you that's what I do, but that needs to be the way I, my goal to live. And it's all in our heart. It's not your external behavior. It's not like, well, I just got to fix this stuff in my life. No, you got to follow the good shepherd and he's going to lead you down paths of righteousness. He's going to take you where you need to go. He's not going to let you go astray, but you got to have him in your heart. And I'm going to tell you, Christ is a shepherd and we're the sheep. That's not just for the people that are weak, sick, and broken. If you're weak, sick, and broken, he is absolutely for you. And maybe one of the greatest blessings about being weak, sick, or broken is that you may learn your absolute dependence on Christ. That may be one of the greatest blessings that you have out of that. As a matter of fact, when we know that we need a shepherd, we find weakness. Brokenness and sickness in all of us. Huh. That has been my great lesson in life. The more I know about myself, the less I'm impressed. The more that I know I need Christ. And let me tell you this last thing. If you don't have Christ as your good shepherd, he is gently and lovingly calling you today. That's what he wants. He's not cajoling you or beating you about it. He's not calling you out. I hope I haven't been harsh with you about in my assessment of you. Because I read this right out of the Bible. But I will tell you that our Savior knows exactly who you are. Far better than I do or anybody else that knows you. And he is calling you to his fold. He wants you to be one of his sheep. He wants you to follow him. He gives you the choice to choose. He loves you enough to let you choose what you're going to do. That's what we That's That's where I finish. The good shepherd wants to lead your life. Will you follow him today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Let it speak clearly to us by your spirit, not by this inadequate preacher. But God, give us your love through what's been said here today. Thank you for holding us in our arms. Move us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.